It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This is a show dedicated to giving people sound nutritional information so they can make better choices for healthier, happier, and more productive lives. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist, and I'm really excited to be back in the studio after being gone for a few months on maternity leave. Uh, My baby, Olivia Lake, is my first. She's three months old. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually home with her full time right now. So it's just been wonderful to see how she's changing on a daily basis. Um, And I know that my household is sleeping right now, but I just (laughs) want to say a quick happy birthday to my husband, Aaron. It is his Mm -hmm. birthday today. Um, He's at home with Olivia. So happy birthday, Aaron, when you re-listen to the show on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But this is going to be a great topic, and we've actually had a lot of requests for this topic. So I'm hoping that the people who requested this are listening today to get their questions answered. We're going to be talking about nutrition during pregnancy and nursing. And I'd like to start by introducing two co-hosts who are here with me. Anna Durhock is a licensed nutritionist and mom of three. Anna, can you tell everyone what you're up to these days with work and also just a little bit about your kids? Sure. Thanks, Cara. And by the way, welcome to motherhood. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, I see clients one-on-one a couple days a week at St. Paul, at the St. Paul office. And I'm teaching quite a bit, um, a lot of corporate um, classes. The last one I did was downtown Minneapolis for the McKnight Foundation, and I, we talked about sleep, so getting enough sleep for um, being healthy. And then my kids are, and they're probably not listening because they get bored after 20 minutes, <laughs> but hello anyway, um, they're five, almost four, and 16 months. So, great. Yeah. Busy lady. Very busy. <laughs> so great to have you here, Anna. And also, we have Amy Renee from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And you might have heard her if you listened to the radio show last week. She was talking about vitamin D and seasonal affective disorder. And Amy Renee wears several hats (laughs) in our St. Paul office and is mom to Hazel. Can you give more details on what you're doing with work and maybe a fun fact about Hazel? I sure can. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, I was in the St. Paul office and sometimes in North Oaks and I do some graphic design, some e-newsletters, web stuff kind of thing. And I'm also teaching our weight and wellness series in Maple Grove right now. Um, and my baby Hazel is not a baby anymore. She's <laughs> 14 months old and um, she really loves to play with our chickens in the yard. All day. <laughs> That's a very fun that. fact. It's cute. <laughs> well, great, Amy. Thanks for being here today. And I think most people do know that what we eat before conception, during pregnancy, and during nursing can affect the health of both mother and baby. But there is a lot, there's a lack of information, and there's actually a lot of misinformation out there on what to eat, what to avoid, and how to put all of this into practice. So I think it's great that the three of us are here today 
to share with listeners how to do this. Yes, there, and we've got a lot of good experience. Yes. Well, so first of all, um, there is definitely a need to increase your calories during pregnancy. And this is very different between individuals. Um, but usually in the first trimester, people need about 150 to 200 more calories a day. And even during the second and third, it even increases after that because baby's growing more um, and mom needs to keep up her strength. So it's really four to 500 after, you know, that first trimester. So you really, but it should be good calories, right, guys? Yes. Well, right. I mean, it would be easy to get the 200 calories from a candy bar Mm -hmm. or the four to 500 calories from a medium order of French fries going through the drive-thru. But really, I mean, those choices are not offering the nutrients that we need to support the health of the baby. Yes. Definitely not. And I still cannot get over how amazing it is to be pregnant and actually grow a human child. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing that, it's really, really important to make sure we're getting adequate protein, good healthy fats, and lots of vegetables. So protein is the most important food um, needed during pregnancy because it's required for the construction of baby's body. And if you're not getting enough protein when you're pregnant, you could have a premature delivery. Your baby could have poor brain development and even a weak immune system. Right. So, I mean, p- the proteins that we, we want women to be eating are eggs, chicken, steak, fish, dairy is a great protein. These all contain the amino acids that act as building blocks for making new tissues. Um, and that includes the baby's muscle and nerve tissues. Um, it's it's already a challenge for most women to get enough protein when they're not pregnant. Um, but when your stomach starts getting squished in the third <laughs> trimester, it's even more difficult because you're just like, you can only eat so oh, much, I'm you know. So it's, full. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know for myself, when women um, get nauseous, protein is one of the last things they feel like eating. So, but I know. And it's just the most, it really is the most important. It is. It is. So, I used to always eat cottage cheese when I didn't feel like eating meat. And, but that's because I craved it, probably because my body wanted protein. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. we were talking about that before the show, and I had that craving as well. And I think, you know, it's high in protein, it's, yep. and we recommend full fat, yep. so you're getting adequate fat. Because um, I had a hard time from just constantly eating eggs, chicken, and meat. Yeah. And so I would do the cottage cheese, and then also every day I would add in a protein shake with oh, yeah. some whey protein powder. Yep. And, you know, if people can tolerate dairy, both of those are great. Mm-hmm. Whey protein is actually easier to digest than um, other dairy sources. Yeah. So if someone is lactose or casein intolerant, a whey protein should still be fine. Yep. And we certainly cannot emphasize enough how important it is to eat those healthy fats during pregnancy. And when we say eat fat, we do not mean going to the drive through or getting some nasty fried food. We're talking about real fats, healthy fats like coconut oil, olive oil, avocados, nuts, or peanut butter and almond butter. Super good. Mm. So all of our cells have these membranes that are made of fat. And if we are not eating enough good fats, it's going to affect the health of these membranes, especially for mom and baby. Fat is also really important for balancing blood sugar, too. So when I was pregnant, I always used to eat like a banana and peanut butter before I would go to bed to help keep my blood sugar stable overnight so I wouldn't wake up from having low blood sugar. And it works great. Yes. And I struggle with that too, Amy. So I 
used to eat tons of fat before before I went to bed, <laughs> and then like some type of fruit. So. I still do sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great for everyone, but yeah. I think especially when in you're pregnancy. Pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's a special kind of fat that we can find in some foods. Um, but during pregnancy, I always have my clients take it just because it's super important for brain development, and it's called DHA. Um, DHA is an omega-3 essential fatty acid, which means we have to get it from our food supply. We can't make it on our own. And it's found in foods like salmon, sardines, free-range eggs. Um, so like Amy's chickens that are pecking around at her grass. <laughs> they love uh, <laughs> And grass-fed meat. Um, but most Americans are deficient in omega-3s. And it's just because we're not eating these rich foods that have DHA in them. So... So, yeah, it's really critical, I think, to add in a supplement mm-hmm. during pregnancy and breastfeeding. Yes. Nursing yep. as well. Nursing as well. Um, it, you know, DHA is so essential to a child's development that if the mother and infant are deficient in it, the child's nervous system and immune system might never fully develop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this could cause a lifetime of a wide variety of problems, emotional, learning, and problems with the immune system. Right. And studies have shown that having sufficient levels of omega-3 fats will optimize baby's brain growth, especially during the third trimester. So, um, you know, if funds are tight and you can only do so much, definitely get it in the third trimester Mm -hmm. but or every other day. That's fine, too. So but babies need that DHA not just for brain development, but also for eyesight development. We want to go to break? Uh, yes. Yeah, actually, thank you, Amy, for <laughs> noticing the time. Um, I can't believe it's time for our first break. But first, before we go to break, I'd like to read a study that I came across. It was published in a journal called Injury Prevention in October this year. It looked at soda consumption and violence in teens. So um, the, it was approximately 1,900 high school students in the Boston area that were surveyed And among the questions were how many 12-ounce soft drinks had they drunk in the past week and whether or not they carried a weapon or showed violence toward peers, family, or partners. And those students who consumed more than five cans in one week were 9 to 15% likelier to engage in an aggressive act. And that was compared to students who drank fewer than five cans. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, When we come back, we're going to have more information on soda consumption in the United States. And if you have nutrition-related questions today about pregnancy or nursing, please give us a call at 651-641-1071. Dishing Up Nutrition has listeners in San Francisco, Miami, International Falls, and Billings, Montana. Whether you live in the Twin Cities or across the country, nutritional guidance is as close as your phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers phone consultations for people at a distance or too busy for office appointments. Would you like to increase your energy, lower cholesterol, or resolve digestive problems? Here's how phone consultations work. First, complete a health history. Next, discuss your health goals with a nutritionist. Then she creates an eating plan for your biochemistry and lifestyle. You make the time, and Nutritional Weight and Wellness provides the plan and support. Make the call from the privacy of your home or office and get nutrition expertise from the people you trust. For information, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438. Outside the Twin Cities, call 888-805-8954, toll free. Or go to weightandwellness.com. So welcome back. 
You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and I'm Anna Durhak, licensed nutritionist, and I am here with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist as well, and Amy Renee, nutrition educator. And Cara mentioned a study that linked increased soda consumption with higher levels of teen violence. This is very disturbing. I couldn't believe it when I started reading it, Um, especially since soft drink intake in the U.S. has doubled for females and tripled for males since the 1970s. So, I mean, and there's a lot more problems with crime nowadays than there was back then. Um, But males between ages 12 through 29 drink the most, averaging half a gallon per day. Half a gallon! Oh, man. You should be getting that in water. (laughs) Or 160 gallons per year. That's crazy. That's average. That's so average. think about if someone's not drinking soda, how much how much somebody else is drinking. Yeah. That's like the, our that. clients that come in drinking six to eight mm-hmm. bottles or cans a day. Ick. Oof. <sighs> so before break, we were talking about why it's so important to eat the right proteins and fats. But of course, we're going to be needing some carbohydrates as well. Mm-hmm. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we typically recommend people get as many carbs as possible from fruits and veggies. And we don't want people to go overboard on the starches. And women who are consuming excess amounts of carbohydrates are at risk of getting something called gestational diabetes. And Anna, I was online on our website and I was reading an article that you recently wrote on diabetes. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about gestational diabetes. Sure. Um, It only affects pregnant women and usually after the 20th week of pregnancy, that's when they kind of test for it. Um, But according to the American Diabetes Association, this happens in about 18%. Sorry, of pregnancies and not just in overweight women. I've had lots of women come in who were very thin to begin with when they got pregnant and um, totally developed gestational diabetes. Um, But eating foods like cereal, pasta, bagels, chips, sweets, drinking soda can all cause high blood sugars, which lead to high insulin levels. And this can turn into insulin resistance and eventually gestational diabetes. Um, so this puts women at higher risk of developing diabetes in a future pregnancy as well later in life with type 2. And, you know, your article pointed out all of the risk factors mm-hmm. to the baby when moms do acquire gestational diabetes. And these are mm-hmm. really significant, so I'm going to go over all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the risks are or increased risk of miscarriage, mm-hmm. birth defects in heart and brain, low blood sugars to the baby, Tendencies for a baby to develop more fat cells and store fat easier, an increased risk of type 2 diabetes and obesity later in mm-hmm. life for the baby. Um, and also babies can be born with too much fat, and sometimes those higher birth weights can make for a much more difficult labor and delivery, which yeah. causes more complications. Right. So we have a couple of calls. I'm just going to... Um, Take a call here from Jenny. Jenny, welcome to the show. Do you have a question about nursing today? Hello, Jenny. Did we lose Jenny? We lost there, but I think we have Tracy on it. Okay, sorry, Jenny. Maybe call back in if you um, are listening still, but we will take another call. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for us today? I do. My question is, um, I have a mouthful of uh, mercury fillings, and I was in the process of getting them removed, um, and then uh, the wonderfulness happened. And so <laughs> I was wondering, how can I continue to support my body from the effects of having the mercury in during this time and after and with nursing? Yeah, um, it was Tracy, right? Yes. Okay, um, this is Anna, and I had I was in the process of doing this while I was still nursing my child, 
Um, and so I took something called chlorella. And it's totally natural. It helps. It's a it's a natural chelator. So it binds okay. mineral it binds heavy metals in your body and it mm-hmm. it brings them out. So is is that in your um in your store, your shop? Yep, we sell chlorella. Yep. How do you spell that? Um C H L O R E L L A. And that's safe during and then during nursing as well. Yep. Yep. It's just an oh. L it's just a blue LG. So, oh, okay, great. Yep. Thank you so much. Great question. Thanks for calling in today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take another caller here. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Looks like you have a question on vitamin A. Yep. What is your question for us today? Hi. Hi. Hi, Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I know there are all these concerns about taking too much vitamin A. Um, And I guess I just wanted to check um, with you guys with what I've been doing. I've been taking the Metagenics prenatals. Okay. Um, but I've also been doing a teaspoon of cod liver oil. Okay. And I think the brand I use says it has 650 to 1,500 IUs in it. You, your cod liver oil has 650 to 1,500? Yeah. Okay. okay. Do so you know would... if all of that vitamin A is the preformed vitamin A or is some of it beta carotene? You know, it doesn't say on the cod liver oil bottle. It's probably mostly retinol. Okay. It's probably more of the fat soluble type of vitamin A. So, um, if it's in cod liver oil, um, yeah, I I don't so know. A fifteen thousand I use is safe for pregnant women, but I wouldn't go over that. Fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, because because mine only goes up to fifteen hundred. You should be yeah. fine. Um, I can't remember what's in the Metagenics Fem Prenatal though. <laughs> I, w- I was actually going to bring a bottle today so yeah, that I would know. I have it written down actually the metagenics has 1500 of the red oh okay okay and well, 2500 i yep yeah. you would be in definitely in the safe range though yeah so yeah yeah okay. no but that is a great question because vitamin a is a fat soluble vitamin yep. and you know there's always a risk of toxicity if there's excess in some of the fat soluble vitamins but um yep. it sounds like you're fine with totaling those two up yep. and then if you know obviously i'm are there foods I might need to avoid because I'm taking as much vitamin A as I am through supplements? Well, I mean, vitamin A, it's actually kind of hard to get enough of it from food. <laughs> okay. And, um, I mean, you will get some with fish. Um, I I really don't think that you're going to go over that 15,000, yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and it, cod liver oil is wonderful because you're going to get your omega-3 fatty acids, and we're, we're going to talk a lot more about that in the show today. Yeah, okay. and that's in combination. That's 15,000 of carotenoids and retinol. So you would want to just take 15,000 IUs of retinol. That, okay. Oh, right, exactly. Thank yeah. you, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Just Thank to clarify. So okay, yep. thanks for calling. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great day. You too. So before we started taking callers, we were um, going over healthy carbohydrates and um, about to get into blood sugar. Yeah. So eating um, high quality protein, healthy fat, and those good unprocessed carbohydrates, like we talked about from fruits and vegetables, are going to naturally help balance your blood sugar, which is the first step in preventing diabetes. And, you know, there's another benefit to keeping your blood sugar balanced by eating in balance. And that keeps morning sickness away. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So when I was pregnant, I didn't have a lot of morning sickness necessarily, but um, I was really just sort of always nauseous and didn't really want to eat that much. And I found that I needed to eat 
like very small balanced meals every 30 to 40 minutes for a few weeks. So, for example, I would have like maybe a couple spoonfuls of a full fat Greek yogurt and like two Bing cherries. And that would just do it. (laughs) And I just have to do that very regularly. Right. So Awesome. And I know up to 70% of pregnant women suffer from nausea or some type of vomiting, you know, some something related to morning sickness. And it usually happens between week four and 14. Um, in some cases, it can go longer. Um, the best thing, though, for preventing this is to eat protein and balance out your blood sugar. Um, and eating five to six times a day is probably one of the best things to do to keep the blood sugar balanced rather than just eating three large meals. And I know I had morning sickness with almost all with all three of my kids until like like week 15 it was terrible oh was no like you nauseous, nauseous all day long it's not morning sickness it's just nausea all day <laughs> yeah. long and um if i if i ate every 2 hours you know and and made me sure i got protein i felt great mm-hmm. so and you know i never luckily had morning sickness <laughs> i did have a bunch of other symptoms though related to not eating mm-hmm. frequently enough or maybe not quite eating in balance um, I would get really bad headaches, oh, extreme yeah. fatigue, and then I would always wake up at, at like 3 a.m. just starving. And usually I was up going to the bathroom, and I thought, <laughs> well, why not just have a snack? And that actually helped me go back to sleep. So I would often do peanut butter and apple slices or the full-fat cottage okay. cheese that we talked about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and eating this way should give us all the nutrients we need. Um, but sometimes in pregnancy we become deficient in certain vitamins and minerals, um, and need to add in prenatals. So prenatals are designed to make up for any nutritional deficiencies in the body that we had previous. Yep, and it sounds like um, our previous caller was taking Metagenics prenatal, which um, we will talk more about, but we do have to take another break. And since we're on the topic today of how nutrition affects children, here's information from another study that I came across. It was out earlier this year in Germany, and it found that people with ADHD who tested positive for celiac disease improved significantly after following a gluten-free diet for at least six months. And so when we come back from break, Anna's going to explain why this really, it's not a surprise to me. It makes a lot of sense. Um, But if you have questions today about pregnancy or nursing, call us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are talking about nutrition during pregnancy and nursing. I'm Anna Derhock with Cara Carper and, and Amy Renee. And um, and we were talking about... Celiac disease. Celiac disease, right. And so Cara shared a little study that, that found a link between celiac disease and ADHD. And celiac disease is an extreme sensitivity to, to gluten, a protein found in grains like wheat, rye, barley, any of those things. And this protein can cause inflammation in the gut in 30% of the population. So that's like one in 3,000. So there's a, there's a gut-brain connection between that, AD, um, between that ADHD and the, the gluten that's seen in those grains. So... And so we, um, I'm actually going to take a quick call here because this is Jenny that got disconnected. Hi, welcome to the show, Jenny. What's your question for us today? Hi, are you there? Hello. Hi, Hi. Jenny. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, Yeah, I had a question about my daughter. She is six months and I've been nursing um, and 
she was diagnosed with reflux at like one and a half months, and they put her on Zantac. And um, after um, listening to your show and, and doing a little research, I kind of wanted to get her off that and try mm-hmm. other things. And so um, I have tried to adjust my diet here and there, but she's she's much better but still um, has some problems with it. She is off the Zantac, though. Okay, great. Um, so I just had kind of a question about diet in general and then also – if you had any opinion on probiotics for baby. Yeah, actually, um, your question covers the second half of our show. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely stay tuned. Um, But just to kind of sum it up for you, yes, we are definitely proponents of probiotics, Uh and we'll talk more about that. Um, The most important strain of probiotic for babies, it's what they naturally are exposed to during birth and breastfeeding, is bifidobacteria. Okay. So I would definitely have her taking some bifidobacteria. Okay. And how do you how do you know the I mean with the type or the amount that the baby should be getting? Well, you know, quality is everything when you're looking at probiotics, especially for infants. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I would recommend is Ultra Bifidus by Metagenics. Okay. Metagenics is just very very high quality. They have very high quality supplements. They do a lot of research, and it's a powder. So okay. it's very easy. Now, is she only breastfeeding? She's only breastfeeding. Okay, just mm-hmm. breast milk, no formula. Mm-hmm. So you could, um, I mean, or do you ever do a bottle of breast milk? Yep, yep, okay. she does. That's kind of an easy way is just to put it in the bottle. Okay. And you could, depending on how many times she does a bottle, you could do a quarter teaspoon or you could do an eighth of a teaspoon three times a day Yeah. or a quarter teaspoon okay. like twice a day. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you'll find that that alone is going to help tremendously. Yep, definitely. Okay, wonderful. And, it's, you know, as far as foods, we actually are going to go into that in a lot more detail. Okay. Um, a lot of times when acid reflux is diagnosed in infants, it can be a food sensitivity. Well, and that's, that's sort of what I'm thinking it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've noticed, unfortunately, some of the things that are best for me are harshest on her, like uh, raw spinach um, and some of those darker... Um, green vegetables, um, so I've tried to, you know, find ways to get my vegetables in other ways, but um, that, spinach is one that, for sure, I know if I have a salad, um, she is really in pain. Hmm. Right. And so. and sometimes it's, sometimes it's because her digestive system isn't necessarily developed enough, or sure. she's, something else is causing her digestive system to not be able to digest those things. So okay. a lot of times it's gluten- or dairy. Okay. Um, and a lot of times... And I you... did, I switched to coconut milk, too, okay. just to see if that would help, and um, that I just did, so we'll see. Yeah. And, oh, and you removed dairy? I removed dairy. Okay. okay. Now, okay. I still eat a lot of yogurt. Is that considered... I, I eat the Greek yogurt. Is that... Yeah, you got to get that. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. unfortunately. it's like the best stuff ever. I know. Yeah, I know. Dairy. That's the hard part. <laughs> So yeah, well, get, thank you. Yep, great call, and um, just stay tuned because we'll have more information about nursing in just a few okay. minutes here. Okay, thanks thank a lot, so Jenny. Much. Thanks for your question. So we were talking about prenatal vitamins, and it's really important to just know the quality of your prenatal because um, it can really vary as well as absorbability. So a poor quality prenatal can often cause constipation and nausea. Not to mention that you aren't getting the benefits of taking the 
vitamin because it's not being broken down or absorbed. Right. We don't want you to have expensive urine. So we <laughs> want you to get a good prenatal. That's very important. So um, Metagenics, which one of our callers not, uh, mentioned that she was taking, um, makes a great one called Fem Prenatal. It's very absorbable, and it won't make your stomach upset like a lot of other ones mm-hmm. that have um, junky forms. I've so. never heard of anyone having digestive problems from the fem no, prenatal. No, so neither. And another really important reason to be taking a prenatal vitamin is for the folic acid. And folic acid is a B vitamin that can prevent neural tube defects of the brain, like spina bifida and anencephaly. And spina bifida is when the spine and the backbones do not close all the way. And most children that are born with this do live full lives, but they often have lifelong disabilities and need many surgeries. And encephaly occurs when the brain and the skull bones do not form correctly. And babies with this condition do unfortunately die before or shortly after birth. And it's so Yeah, sad. so very preventable, though. Yes, definitely. In the U.S., about 3,000 pregnancies a year are affected by these two conditions, but up to 70% of them can be um, prevented by just getting enough folic acid every day. Um, and it's best to start t- taking either a prenatal vitamin or, or at minimum, a supplement of folic acid before you get pregnant because these, these neural tube defects happen in the first few weeks of pregnancy when most of women don't even know they're pregnant. It's never too early to start planning or unplanning for a pregnancy. So uh, we've talked about several things to add in during pregnancy, but now we're going to talk about a few things that need to be omitted. So soda is very important. No soda. No soda. No alcohol. And no trans fats. So let's get into each of these in a little bit more detail and tell you why we're making these recommendations. So when we say no soda... That means regular or diet. And a 12-ounce can of soda has 11 teaspoons of sugar. Do you think your baby needs all the sugar? Absolutely not. No. It's setting the fetus up to take in too much glucose, which can cause all the problems related to high blood sugar, insulin resistance, and obesity. And diet soda is no better. It has sweeteners like aspartame, which is a neurotoxin, meaning it's toxic to the brain. So think about it. Do you want your baby to have this substance? No. And then alcohol is a ter- teratogen, which basically means it causes birth defects. So it makes sense that the safest choice is to abstain during pregnancy. And alcohol has also been linked to decreased fertility. So if you're trying to get pregnant, it'd be a good thing to stop drinking. And honestly, I don't know what trying means, but um, for <laughs> all those mothers out there that are trying, you know what, more power to you. So. <laughs> And so trans fats, most people know that trans fats are bad, um, but they're also labeled as hydrogenated oils or partially hydrogenated oils. They do lower fertility rates. And Dr. Shavaro, he's at the Harvard School of Public Health, and um, this he found this in his research that trans fats lower fertility rates. We actually had him on a show a while back, a fertility show. You'll find trans fats in a variety of processed foods, things like crackers, even saltines, yes. you know, they say have saltines for morning sickness. Mm. Trans fats right there, people. <laughs> um, chips, cookies, baked goods, coffee creamers, peanut butters, margarines. So they're all over the place. Another more recent study from the Harvard School of Public Health um, published in November in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition linked trans fat consumption during the second trimester to larger babies. And the lead writer of the study stated that baby, the babies appear to have a higher risk of adult onset diabetes and obesity later in life. 
Yeah, and the worst thing about trans fats is that they block the transfer of DHA to the fetus. Remember, that's that omega-3 fatty acid that's really important to the brain. So, And this this quote was from that same study. Um, and like I said, it's crucial for brain and, and mm-hmm. eye development. So, okay, ladies, we could easily do an entire show on pregnancy, um, <laughs> but we do need to talk a little bit more about nutrition during nursing. And the first thing I want to say about nutrition during nursing is that What we just told you that we recommend during pregnancy is basically the same during nursing. Yep. So we still need to be eating more calories. So usually between three and 500 just for milk production. Okay. So lots. And we want Mm -hmm. those to be coming from good, healthy proteins, healthy fats and veggies. And you want to eat several times a day to balance our blood sugar. And we need to make sure we're getting enough water. Mm -hmm. Like probably usually I drink out of a quart mason jar of water and I make sure that I drink it at least three times before lunch. So you want to be getting, you know, even up to a gallon of water a day when you're nursing. Yes. And did you, you guys probably know this, but listeners, Mm -hmm. did you know that 50% of the calories in breast milk actually come from fat? Mm -hmm. Um, So just like when you're pregnant, you know, the type of fat that you're eating moms will affect the fat that the baby's getting. And we never, ever recommend a low-fat diet when breastfeeding. Um, And we still do recommend DHA supplements. That's the omega-3 fatty acids. So those are wonderful during breastfeeding as well to support brain development. Yes. Um, But it's time for our last break. And if you are thinking about pregnancy for the future or you're currently pregnant, this is a great time to meet with one of our nutritionists to just ensure that you're getting the right nutrients to support your body and your baby. And it can be really overwhelming, I think, to put all of this together on your own. And any one of us would be happy to meet with you and put together an individualized eating plan. So if you're interested in learning more about our one-on-one consultations, just go to our website, weightandwellness.com, or you can call our office, 651-699-3438, And you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back. This is Dishing Up Nutrition, and I'm Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, here with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist, and Amy Renee, nutrition educator. And we are all proud moms. And I'd like to share some classes that we have coming up. Some of you are familiar with our Nutrition for Weight Loss class. Um, and it's a 12-week series. It's at several locations, um, but these are the, the the newest classes coming up are in all of our offices, so North Oaks, Lakeville, St. Paul, and Wyzetta starting the last um, week. after week, Thanksgiving. Yeah, the last week, the, le- the week after Thanksgiving. There we go. So, And we were talking about... We were going to start finally talking about yes, nutrition during nursing. nursing. And... You know, Anna, you did a TV clip, which I saw online, which was wonderful. And like you said in your clip, the great thing about breast milk is that it provides the baby everything that's needed. It provides immune enhancing properties, and it's really the perfect food. It's got the right combination of nutrients and the proteins, fat, and carbohydrates for the baby. Right. And breastfed babies usually have fewer allergies, fewer skin problems, and fewer cases of asthma. So breast milk is full of these immune-fighting antibodies that are passed from mom to baby through the breast milk. And this is very, very important, especially during those first six months of baby's life when their immune systems are much more vulnerable. 
Yeah, so we want to give them every protection we can. And they also have fewer ear infections, less diaper rash and thrush, and are not as likely to have acid reflux or what we call colicky. But, you know, just because babies are breastfed does not mean that they're never going to have digestive problems or other issues. I mean, our last caller, you know, she is solely nursing and no formula and you know, her baby went on acid reflux medication. So, you know, newborns do have immature digestive tracts. And because of this, proteins from mom's breast milk can pass through the the baby's little intestinal lining and can cause problems sometimes. And as they get older, their intestinal lining will tighten up and the proteins are much less likely to pass through. Right. So that's why sometimes babies can't tolerate it when mom eats certain foods. And then maybe a month later or maybe longer, um, they're totally fine with having it. And this is what happened with my baby Hazel and I. So she was uh, completely breastfed until probably about eight months, actually. But she always had these little bumps on her skin. And she was really constipated, which is very sad for a little baby. But um, I tried cutting out dairy. I tried cutting out gluten, and it still wasn't helping. And then so I took her to my midwife and had her tested and found out she was allergic to eggs, which I eat every single morning. (laughs) So we cut the eggs out, and in about two weeks, almost all of her little bumps were gone. Um, She's having regular bowel movements, and... Now it's been about three months, and her, she has soft, kissable cheeks, so oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we are not going to try introducing eggs until she's a little bit older. I think we're going to wait till she's three. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you can, you know, sometimes it only takes a few months. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. And then um, I have some experience as well. My son, Luke, who's the 16-month-old, he had really bad eczema, like, starting, like, at four months, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, and he was totally breastfed. Um, and all of a sudden, and if you guys don't know what eczema is, it's an inflammatory rash on the skin. Very itchy, dry. Um, but I actually had to stop eating dairy, eggs, gluten, and chocolate, my beloved chocolate. Oh, sad. Yeah. And so anyway, um, but within like two months, his eczema was totally gone. And um, six months later, I introduced eggs, and he did fine with eggs. I just didn't eat them every day, and I didn't actually give them to him until he was like, um, you know, fourteen months old. And then, and then I introduced gluten back in, and he did fine with that. Dairy, he's still not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I think he's still sensitive to it. So. So we all have our, you know, stories about that. I'm right now. I'm experimenting with Olivia when she was about two weeks old. There were a couple of days where she just did not want to have my breast milk. She was pushing away and crying a lot inconsolably. So I just decided to eliminate dairy and eggs, and I already eat gluten-free. And after a couple of days, she was so much better. Um, So then, you know, and I was eating eggs every single day as well, Amy. So after about a month, I tried adding back in eggs And my husband calls it an egg day. She's like, oh, she had another bad egg day. (laughs) So I had to give them up again. That was so sad. But I just had eggs the other day. You know, she's three months old. And so far, she seems fine. And I'm really hesitant to have them every single day. Right. Um, So that's another thing to keep in mind, listeners, is that, you know, sometimes if you have just have it a couple times a week or smaller amounts, the baby so will be fine, but not having it every single day. Right. 
And baby's food sensitivities from what mom is eating are usually not permanent. Like Kara was saying, a lot of times you can, and same with um, Amy, you can introduce them later on and they won't react. So, um, But the symptoms can show up in a number of different ways, crying and colicky episodes. So um, a baby who just is, will not be consoled, unusual fussiness, skin issues like eczema or bad rashes, excessive gas. Um, I didn't know this one, but a ring around baby's, baby's anus mm-hmm. um, and any t- type of digestive issues like acid reflux or what we call GERD and not wanting to feed. Like Cara was saying, you know, they, they, they don't want the breast milk. They don't want the bottle. So all of these things can be related to mom's diet. And there are a lot of myths out there, too, regarding foods that can cause babies to have symptoms. Mm-hmm. Although we would say that mom always knows baby best. So if there is a food that you think you're consistently eating and baby's consistently having issues with, Try eliminating it for a few weeks and maybe like two to three weeks to make sure you get it out and see how baby responds. And like Amy said, there are a lot of foods that get a bad rap. And and when women hear that they should give them up while nursing, I mean, it's not always true. So you've probably heard this about spicy foods and chocolate and But chocolate caffeine. for you was an issue. <laughs> chocolate was an issue because so, of his eczema. So yeah, okay. it can be mm-hmm. um, if you've tried everything else and you're still eating a lot of chocolate, mm-hmm. which I was. <laughs> or even broccoli, like those heavy-duty cruciferous vegetables that tend to give some people gas. Um, a lot of babies can still handle that. Um, it just might be because something else is causing them to not digest other foods, so like gluten or dairy. Um, but it's much more common to have um, an allergic or you know symptomatic response to the top allergenic foods, which are dairy, gluten, eggs, soy, corn, peanuts a lot of tree nuts and fish and shellfish. And that might sound very overwhelming, I know, but (laughs) you don't have to eliminate all of those (laughs) foods at once. You know, if if there's a food that you're eating quite a bit and suspect that it's a culprit, like for Amy and I, you know, eggs every day, um, you know, we gave that food up and give it at least two to three weeks of elimination. And if the baby's symptoms go away, you can actually reintroduce that food to kind of confirm that you picked the right one to get rid of. Um, so when you're reintroducing a food, it's important to have it several times in, you know, yes, when you add it back in. Yep. And if the baby does not have those same symptoms, then most likely um, they have outgrown the sensitivity. Their digestive systems have matured mm-hmm. and you can start eating that food again. Yep. And cow's milk products seem to be the number one food that gives babies the most issues. So I would start eliminating that first if you, if you know, your baby's struggling with acid reflux or anything like that. Yeah. I just want to clarify um, a few things in case listeners are not familiar with exactly what GERD is and what colic is. So GERD stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. And your baby might get this diagnosis if they're spinning up a lot, vomiting, or gagging after eating. Um, or they have frequent bouts of abdominal pain and can't be consoled, like when baby arches their back like they're in pain. Or sometimes if they're really fussy, but it goes away when they're carried upright or if you prop them up. And so I know we're running out of time here and we have a little more information. So I just I, I want to emphasize again the importance of probiotics, which are good yes. bacteria. The previous caller had asked about that. And so the most important probiotic for mom and baby, so moms that are nursing, you can take bifidobacteria. Your baby will get some of that from your breast milk. Um, But it is totally safe to add in the probiotic directly to the baby. You can do that by um, putting the powder on your nipple, Mm -hmm. putting it in a bottle of breast milk, 
Um, I could just give my baby, we have our bifido balance capsules, and uh-huh. I just give her a cap- capsule and she sucks on it till it explodes oh my and gosh. then swallows them down. Awesome. And I probably started doing that around mm, probably eight months that okay. she was okay with just taking a okay. capsule. So some really? babies do that. And sometimes yeah. I just dipped my, my finger in water and then dipped it in the thing and Luke would suck it off. Mm-hmm. He did that a lot too. Yeah, we did that before she would yeah. do the capsule. Yeah. So. And cool. so it might sound scary, you know, to be giving your baby a supplement, <laughs> a supplement, but it's something that is already in breast milk yep. and it's already in our digestive systems. It's just that most people do not have enough good bacteria. It's very supportive yes. to help break down proteins mm-hmm. and digest foods. Yes. So we have more information for you, but the time has come to end the show. But, um, you know, just moms out there, just remember that what you are eating really is going to affect your baby while you're pregnant and while you're nursing. So we just feel it's very important if we are always here to support you. If you have any questions, um, call our office or make an appointment. Yes. Everyone have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks all you moms. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.